It is a very hard industry, the seafood industry. There's a lot of different lines, a lot of different products, a lot of different cuts. It's a very hard industry for them to probably understand and control. So if they don't understand and control, they just close it. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why they do it. I mean, the science says that our bay's never been healthier. Today on Dirty Linen, you wouldn't believe it, but we are still talking about Port Phillip Bay. This issue does not get any less important. Today, we are talking to veteran, legendary seafood supplier, George Kaparis, one of the founders and directors of Clam Seafood, which supplies many of the restaurants around Melbourne. George, welcome to Dirty Linen. So great to have you on the show. Thank you. Good morning, Danny. Thank you very much. George, tell me a little bit about clams. Clams uh, started about 33 years ago. 33, yes, 33, 34 years ago in St Kilda, a little shop in St Kilda, a little shop front, a fish and chip shop and uh, fresh fish, and then we started doing wholesale from the back, and it just slowly grew and grew and grew and grew. Con and us tonight, and just, just kept growing and growing and growing, and then we moved out to a factory probably 15 years after that, and just kept going with all of Melbourne's top restaurants and hotels, catering companies, retailers. And then we got into the wholesale store in the market as well. And so we see the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's really well. And what have you, you know, what have you seen change in the industry over those um, 30 years? Oh, um, a lot of little shops closing, not as much fish around they keep closing little bays all the time um that's the hardest part when they close these little unique little bays port phillip bay is probably about 30 species of fish which are very unique to to melbourne's uh cafe and restaurant style a lot of the european migrants when they came off the boats a lot of that fish they put it on the map you know sardines is one of them fresh white bait there's little mackerel and Tommy Ruffs type of stuff, all that stuff's sort of disappearing now. It's, it's going now with the closure of the bay. Yeah, well, we've been talking a lot about, about Port Phillip Bay, certainly the closure of the sardine fishery and also the reduction in the commercial line fishing quotas and the availability of that catch. I mean, what kind of difference does that make? Like, I mean, how does it, what kind of difference does it make to supply? But also what kind of difference does it make to the way that you feel about supplying the Melbourne market? Well, I grew up with uh, fresh fish sardines because my uncle's business partner was a sardine fisher and a, and a professional fisherman in the bay. So we used to catch probably 70% of the fish we used to sell off the piers in Port Melbourne, Princess Pier Station, Pier Appleton docks and that at night time. And the people used to flock from all over Melbourne just to get that stuff because it was so fresh. It was almost alive, not just taking it off the scales. Um, you know, that was, that was huge, actually. So that's what we sort of built clams on, that fresh fish. That, you know, so fresh, you catch it by four, by four o'clock in the morning, it's in the seafood centre, and by 12 o'clock, it's on somebody's plate. Uh, and when you're getting sardines out of Lake Sanchez and that's nearly a two-day turnaround before you get it. And, um, you know, also it's the price, the price rise of all fish, calamari, whiting, everything. Everything's just up, 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 just going up. You know, just makes it very hard for the retailers, for your normal public. Just very hard. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's a relationship between supply and price. You know, the, the less there is of something, the, the more it's going to cost. And I suppose what that does... What it sounds like you're saying is 
the more expensive the limited supply of local fish is, um, the more it drives consumers to to cheaper products. That's understandable. And I mean, are those cheaper products coming from further away? Like I know that Australians eat a lot of imported fish. Like what kinds of thing, what kind of products does it drive people towards? Oh, it, yes, it does because uh, the sardines come from other countries. There's tuna that come from from Indonesia. There's barramundi that comes from Thailand. Uh, you know, it's when we've got so much, so much beautiful pristine seafood on our own shores. You know, I don't see why, why we need to do that. You know, and just we've got so much. The bays have never been healthier. Agricultural farms are doing well. Uh, so why do we need to import it? You know, an inferior product. Do you think it is inferior? I think so, yes. And, I mean, do you think that's because of the freshness, first and foremost, or do you think it's the way those fisheries are managed, or what do you think it could be? Well, we manage our fisheries pretty well pretty well here. Over the years, they've really improved a lot. And, you know, the freshness of our fish is amazing. I mean, when you bring something over from overseas, I mean, there's a four- or five-day turnaround at least, you know, Whereas you're getting it here a day, two days, three days at the very most, you know, depending on where they're fishing. And how does it make you feel, George, to have, you know, these these changes thrust upon you? Well, it's pretty tough. I mean, a lot of the the old old timers, um, they can't go out fishing. I mean, there's six million or six and a half million in in Victoria. You know, uh, there's not too many people. I mean, I've got a, an amateur license as well, fishing. And I've only been out twice in the last two, three times in the last two years fishing. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of people that probably don't use them very often. There might be 100, 200,000 out all the time. I mean, is it fair that they're the only ones that get to get to use this resource and not everybody else? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me, you know, because a lot of people won't get that type of, that type of freshness. And there's no uh, amateur fishers going out for sardines anyway. They just don't catch, you, you don't catch a sardine on a line. Yeah, well, you know, like we get sardines from Lake's entrance and, you know, we're lucky if we see sardines from there once every four, six, eight weeks. We don't get that, you know, I mean, it might be, you know, five or six hundred kilo coming down once a month or something. I mean, it's into the, into the Melbourne Seafood Centre, so it's not really a, a lot of sardines. I don't know where they're going to replace them from. Well, it's interesting you say that, George, because we've had Travis Dowling from um, Victorian Fisheries Authority on the podcast saying that the um, Lake Centrance sardines could easily replace and indeed um, the quantities would be greater than those that were coming out of Port Phillip Bay via Phil McAdam until this week. I've never seen that quantity hit Melbourne Seafood Centre over the years. And he also said that the quality of the sardines from Lake Entrance was equal to those coming out of Port Phillip Bay. No way. Sardines from Port Phillip Bay are um, they're here within two or three hours of being caught. We're up there. They'll catch them, say, today. They'll, they'll uh, pack them, put them in pollies the next day, and then they'll go on the transport truck to come to Melbourne. So it could be two days, you know, two and a half days before the Seafood Centre gets them. You know, so there's a two-day difference. You know, and small fish like that doesn't last very long. You've got to eat it while it's fresh. You know, stomachs fall out of them. You know. Right. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds gross. It does, yeah. It is gross when you see it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think's behind this? Why are we having these changes? Well, they haven't done their homework properly, I don't think. 
they probably use target one million they're talking about for all that for all the anglers. It's a lot of money for the government, but uh, at what cost? Importing other seafood from other countries, you know, like uh, I didn't realise a couple of months ago we're importing sardines from India to use as bait. I mean, you know, what's if there is any sort of disease in that sardine? What's it going to do to our waterways? It's tried so hard to, to keep clean and pristine, you know, with all the laws and everything that have been put in place. You know, there was 20 years ago or so, there was a big uh, sardine along, right along the coast, the bottom of Australia, WA in South Australia, which wiped out the sardine industry for, for years, almost wiped it right out. You know, I mean, the same thing could happen again. And, and people did identify imported bait as an issue there. Yeah. Oh, there are definitely biosecurity concerns around imported bait. I think also... You know, it's so interesting hearing you talk about the origins of your business, which was so direct, you know, fish off the boat customers. Obviously, as businesses grow and, you know, we modernise, things change. But do you feel um, that it's it's gone too far the other way, that we're looking at longer supply chains, that we're looking at being a bit disconnected from where our food comes from? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've got some very good uh, relationships with our, with our fishers and that and uh very lucky that way. You know, we look after each other and making sure we get supply. But that is getting harder, yeah, with uh, different closures and that makes it very hard. One of the things that um, the government points to in terms of the success of uh, the Target One Million campaign or suite of initiatives is the Fresh from the Boat campaign, which is to get um, small commercial fishers or, yeah, people with a commercial fishing licence to sell their fish in coastal towns, you know, directly to consumers. As a wholesaler and retailer of fish, do you have a view on that? Well, that was good and fine during uh, COVID and all that and trying to get people back to the country and all that. That's that's great. Fantastic. I mean, overall, I mean, are we creating a bit of a uh, a black market uh, issue there? I mean, I've, over summer and that I hear of a lot of hotels telling me, oh, someone came in with four snapper in the back door, 30 whiting. What would you do? Because I told, them to, I told them to go away. Because, uh, you know, all, all your restaurants, hotels, they've all got strict QA um, accreditations and all that, and so have uh, all the wholesalers I have. I've got plenty of I'm sure all my other... Uh, wholesalers also have as well. All the shops, you know, um, Prime Safe and all that. I mean, it costs a lot of money to, to get all the time. It's just, and then they're taking, they're taking supply away from you. Um, you know, you're not sure how these people have looked after the fish when you've got them on the boat. They left them out sitting in the sun. Have they put them straight in ice? Or what have they done? We don't, you don't know. Anyway, uh, that's a big issue as well. Does it suggest that perhaps the rec limits are a little bit askew? If someone's coming in with thirty whiting, like I mean, why why do they have why are they allowed to catch so many? I mean, how many, how many whiting can a household eat in a day or two days? You know, yeah. So, I mean, I know the bag limit on large snapper is four fish because or uh, well, three fish, I think it is. Um, that's that's still that's still a fair bit, but okay, you can you can live with that. I know when I went out over summer, you know, there was fish everywhere, snapper everywhere in the water. You know, we bagged out within within half an hour, forty minutes, with large and small. <laughs> oh well, that's a shame for your day on the water. Yeah. <laughs> so we just enjoyed the day in the water. 
But um, yeah, we bagged that really quick. And there's just fish everywhere. I mean, the bay's so healthy at the moment. It really is. It has been for years. And I, I remember when well, this all started six years ago, seven years ago. It is. I mean, we campaigned, had a thing on Central Pier where a lot of the top chefs in Melbourne came along and, um, you know, trying to go, you know, trying to get this overturned, which never happened. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just, it was very political. It just seemed like it was all, all for votes and didn't, didn't really matter about the general public. Yeah. Well, it does seem a bit like that. It seems like the recreational fishers are better organised than people who eat seafood. And, and indeed the commercial fishers who, you know, I think commercial fishers, you know, better than I do, but I think perhaps they're not the most uh, collegiate group of people necessarily. They're not used to um, banding together. Uh, they're just, yeah, they're sole operators for the most part, aren't they? Yeah. A lot of us never really got, got right through school and all that. I mean, that, all that stuff's sort of pretty hard for us. You know, it's not like our kids will put them through school. We, a lot of us left school were 14 or 15, you know, so and just, just worked you know, in different industries, you know. So, yeah, it's a little bit hard, yeah. What, so what difference do you think that makes when you do come up against um, people who seem better organised and, and more able to navigate uh, a situation that seems quite politically motivated? Um, well, they've got someone with a voice that, uh, you know, probably people high up, uh, got a lot of authority, you know, our voice just wasn't, wasn't heard. You know, no matter how loud the guys screamed, I mean, we were on Parliament House, and no one, no one, got, no one got, cared about what we said or done that day. You know, um, it went on deaf ears. You know, they, they just uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people with, with uh, friends in high places probably help helps a lot. Yeah. I just think that the people are, you know, Victoria. Everyone should be entitled to. Uh, to its resources. It's a public resource, Port Phillip Bay. I mean, everyone's allowed to swim in it. Why can't everybody enjoy fishing in it? This doesn't make sense. And so what proportion do you, of seafood that you sell do you think is imported from overseas? For me, I, the only imported fish, except for New Zealand, New Zealand's fish is very similar to ours. It's, it's amazing. Fresh fish. And they're only, uh, it's only three and a half hour flights, probably about a 36 hour turnaround from New Zealand from some of it from the time it's caught to, to the lands in Melbourne. Uh, and they look after their fish very, very well. The rest of it, um, the only, we have frozen, we have frozen items. There's frozen barramundi. We still have a lot of pubs used in some of the cheaper places. And, um, but that's pretty much it. Uh, Hokie comes out of New Zealand. Uh, we haven't got a lot of a lot of frozen prawns, frozen scallops, frozen shrimp. Yes, from overseas, but not a lot of frozen fish for us. I'm sure there is a lot that comes over though. Yeah, so I guess so. You 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 would differentiate yourselves from I suppose the the market where it's where we, we or the stats where we know that seventy percent of seafood eaten here is is imported. I guess a lot of that goes through through the supermarkets as a frozen product. Um, and through some food service as a, as a cheaper product. I mean, do you think there's some work to be done in terms of educating consumers on, on quality seafood and about the, I don't know, the benefits of eating fresher seafood or different species? Well, Sydney really promotes their, their fish on TV and everything. I mean, in Melbourne, we, we don't really do that. You know, and uh, we sell a lot of fish in Melbourne. Melbourne, you know, are big fish eaters. 
you know, it should be a lot more done to educate people about it, yeah. You know, and uh, there should be tags on all the fish where it comes from. You know, I think they're all start, they're starting to do that now. You know, starting from New Zealand, starting from Thailand, wherever it may be. Mm. Yeah. I guess you know one of the things that people wonder about about seafood um, going through wholesale and retail channels is how sustainable it is. What does clams do to ensure that um, the products are sustainable? Yeah, all our fishermen are all, all, all everyone's got their, their licenses and uh, their fishing grounds and they're all, they're all quieted. They're, they've all got their quieters and they're strictly monitored. You know, so I have to, for the places I supply and the accreditations I have, I've got to deal with the right people. If I don't, I can't. Yeah, I have to deal with the right people, and we have to update all our all our accreditations. You know, every six months, every twelve months, sorry. You know, and then just get them re-signed and sent in again, and it's it, that's takes a long time. It does getting everyone to fill their things out again and uh, send them through, and you know how they fish, how they you know all their practices. Right. So there's a lot of compliance. Yes, a lot of compliance. That's right. And do you think that there is? similar rigour applied to the recreational fishing industry? Well, they've got their quotas, um, which I want like like now, like fishing quotas start again on the 1st of May. So there's a lot of products that are got, fishermen are almost out of at the moment. And uh, there's some that they're fishing really heavily because they want to fill their quota because they lose it if they don't catch it. So there's, that's why there's a lot of flattered around this week, but there's not really a lot of shark because um, they're all just about out of quota. So trying to keep it going till the end of the month, till the end of uh, April. So it, it is strictly monitored, yeah. And just back to Port Phillip Bay, George, you know, um, Travis Dowling from VFA was at pains to stress that there will still be commercial line fishing in the bay. I mean, you would talk to those guys, those commercial fishers, you know, basically snapper but also bycatch with reduced limits. What I've heard from from some of them is that those businesses become unviable with the reduced limits. What are you hearing from them? I think that's correct because snapper you'll catch three months of the year during the summer months. Um, And then after that, I mean, you might catch a few gummy shark, you're not going to catch any calamari on on your long lines. Uh, Maybe occasional whiting or something, but you're not going to get too much more. It's not going to be viable. As for the hookers, you've got to – it's a long day out there trying to hook 200, 300 fish to, to make it worthwhile you being out there. You know, and they're offering – I'm not sure how many tonne of fish, but it's not a real lot. I think the snapper's about 11 tonne. Everything else is two or three tonne, I think, which wouldn't really make it right which wouldn't make it viable for them, no. They need to have more because you know, they've got to employ someone to work with them and then, you know, cost of diesel for their boat, uh, you know, everything. It's just everything costs. Of, see, the cost of living has gone up so much over the last six months, 12 months. It's crazy. Everything's gone up. You know, and uh, it's hard for them to make a living. I mean, even the deckhands now from all the fishermen, I mean, what are they going to do now? A lot of them are all... Are all or older, that would be very hard for them to get a job. I mean, are they going to get offered hooking licenses or are these hooking licenses going to be given to the recreationals, which is some stuff I've been hearing, which really isn't very fair. So these guys have been put out of business, but have they been given anything back to, you know, the staff to, to keep their livelihood going? The thing that just I keep coming up against that just baffles me is 
that these changes are occurring and they impact on people's lives and livelihoods and on the availability of seafood into the Melbourne market. But I just cannot understand why. Like I just, there is, I just, the logic evades me every time I think about it. It is a very hard industry, the seafood industry. There's a lot of different lines, a lot of different products, a lot of different cuts. It's a very hard industry for them to probably understand and control. So if they don't understand and control it, they just close it. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why they do it. I mean, the science says that our bay's never been healthier. This was six years ago when we campaigned, or seven years ago. But uh, even the Greens are on the fisherman side, which is very, you know, they're always the opposite way. But, uh, and it didn't, didn't, didn't matter. It just went on deaf ears. They didn't, they didn't care. So for me, I just thought it was very political. Yeah. Well, you think if there was a body in Victoria that, you know, should have their, should be able to understand the industry, it would be the Victorian Fisheries Authority and the Fishing Minister, who's presumably briefed by experts. Um, and as you say, you know, the science backs up the, the sustainability of those fisheries and the Greens were the only party uh, that voted, yeah, to to maintain it. Liberal and Labor lined up together to, um, I guess, secure that voting block from the recreational fishers. Um, yeah, it's uh, for me, I just feel like I've got an insight into the way politics works, the way deals are done, and I find it very unsavoury. Yes. Like there's only it's 23 million people in Australia. We're surrounded by water. We have some of the best seafood in the world here in Australia, and we can't touch it. It's crazy. They just close, just keep closed, 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 closed. In New Zealand, yeah, they close bays over there to to re um, to build the stocks of fish back up again. That's good. They've, they've started doing that here in Australia as well. But they really manage their fisheries really well, and there's always fish for the whole world. They 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 export all over the world. New Zealand, amazing fish, and they and. They just thought, I mean, why can't we look after our bays that way? I mean, and, you know, and why can't the recreationals and the, and the, and the fishers live together, you know, work together, have for 150 years? What's, what's changed now when the bays are so healthy? You know, uh, let, let the recreationals have from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the fishers have the other days. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to fish on their days because it's very weather, weather permitted. You know, I'm sure they can live in harmony together. But yeah, there are conversations that can be had. You know, there's, there's, yeah, there's ways to compromise and and work together, as they've done at Corner Inlet, where they do seem to have come to an agreement that's workable for everyone. Yeah, I don't see why they can't do that in Port Phillip Bay. Yeah, uh, George, it's really fantastic to have your perspective on this series around Port Phillip Bay seafood. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? No. <sighs> No, that's. I don't think so. That's. That's it. Just please, it'd be nice if they could uh, come to some compromise or maybe, and some sense, and just maybe bring some of those licenses back. The sardine fish would be fantastic. I mean, not just only for the general public, but for um, all the recreationals too. Because I tell you, if they start using, uh, if they start using uh, imported baits, they're going to kill more than just sardines in the boat. They'll kill a lot of other fish in the boat. And just come to their senses and just let some of these licenses back. Yeah, you know, for everyone. Anyway. Thanks, George. Really appreciate your time and your perspective. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. 
hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.